um, the, the governments that refused to accept the low-quality Saddam dinars, um, which were also, you know, being uh, printed in, in such excessive amounts. Um, and so the, the supply of Saddam dinar notes um, increased while the supply of Swiss dinar notes remained stable. So they were um, saying meaning- there were Saddam many dinars. That- <laughs> <laughs> that yes. price went down. There's so There's so damn many. Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve. <sighs> and Ryan. Uh, Celsius Arctic vibes for when you have to work in two hours and work overnight. <laughs> oh, no. They're actually not too bad. I, I don't mind them. I had one for the first yeah, time. Yeah, I like, ago. I like uh, Celsius. They're not, they're not bad. They're much better than, like, Monster. Because yeah. I know somebody who used to drink like three monsters a night on an overnight shift. Dude, and, uh, by seven a.m. That's, that's too by, much. By seven a.m., she'd be like fucking shaking. <laughs> that's like four hundred milligrams of caffeine. That's like the upper limit of human consumption. <laughs> it's insanity. <laughs> it's absolute fucking insanity. Holy fucking shit! Um, and when I worked at a, we'll just say a restaurant here in town. Uh, <laughs> a restaurant. Under- because this I was the major D at a restaurant. <laughs> there's a lot of people who will know exactly which restaurant this is. Fazolis. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but we shotgunned Red Bulls one morning on a game day. <laughs> oh my god! Don't ever listen to me. Do not ever shotgun a fucking Red Bull. <laughs> no, I don't drink Red Bull. I can't do that major caffeine anymore. I put my body through too much. It's when I moved good. here, yeah. I was drinking eight to nine cups of coffee a day. Jesus. So I was a little bit excessive. Jesus, how's your? Then I wonder why I have weird like health issues. Yeah. (laughs) When I was going through trying to figure out like what was wrong with me before they diagnosed the Chiari thing, they, uh, I was telling them about that. I was like, I drank all this coffee, and I like, did that maybe fuck me up? And they're like, Nah. I'm like, but I was also on ADHD med amphetamines at the same time. They're like, What the fuck? (laughs) Wait, dude, you okay? Can you, well, can you, can you so here's sounds? Here's, uh, here's our medical minute. So here's a problem that happens with ADHD people. So when they get, if they have ADHD, they get the med, right? But when you first take them, you have euphoria. And they think that's what it's supposed to feel like all the time. But that wears off in like three days. And you just get dopamine, basically. So you have no more euphoria. It's interesting. And so they start supplementing with other things because they feel like it's not working and they ask for their dosage to go up and yeah. That's interesting. But, I didn't know all that. Oh, dude, the euphoria day. Oh, when I, I still remember. That's how intense it is. I still remember the first day I took it. I was like, I feel like I could do anything. Um, a- wow, anything. that sounds strangely like uh, cocaine or amphetamines. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what it is, right? I know. Like, it's an, yep. it's an mm-hmm. amphetamine salts. That's that's when you get the generic. It literally says it on the bottle, amphetamine salts. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, sweet, I'm T. S. Eliot. Dude, it's the same thing as like I got you know my medical marijuana card, and when people are like, oh, you know, it, like yeah, I feel better when I take it. You know, I feel more comfortable. I, I don't mind like talking to people. I don't hate the entirety of humanity. I just I feel nicer. I feel yeah, happier. Yeah. And people are like, yeah, <laughs> it's fucking weed. Of course you feel nicer and happier. You're fucking high. <laughs> It's a mystery. <laughs> oh, my you know, God. weed weed just makes you go crazy, become incredibly violent. 
you know. Well, the thing I is, I saw Reefer Madness. I know what happens. <laughs> the thing with the uh, <laughs> the thing with the amphetamines though is is very interesting because like it does help you focus if you've got ADHD problems. Like you, once the euphoria wears off, all it does is give you a kick, and then from then on, you just you won't notice like that you're focusing more. You just will be, and that's the thing is like. Their ADHD people tend to like seek dopamine out, mm-hmm. so they're when that when that starts happening, it doesn't feel good enough, right? Mm-hmm. And because they're not used to having the dopamine at a normal level, right. so it's like yeah, so that's where it becomes a problem. It's mm-hmm. the same thing with weed too. If you're if you're depressed or ang- you have anxiety or you're anxious, and you take weed, then that's not just weed. That's not just because you smoke weed. You're actually medicating a condition. Yeah. You know, the problem is like, if you have anxiety, don't smoke weed because it's going to get ten times worse. Oh, it just makes everything worse. Oh, it's so bad. I always have to be real careful. Like if, if you go into it with a headache, like oh, this is going to fix my head. Ah, oh, shit. Oh god, now I'm scared of everything plus his headache. <laughs> anyway, speaking of, speaking of weed-induced headache paranoia. Um, so uh, similarly to that, uh, today we're going to be talking about financial prophetic movements. Oh, yeah. oh nice, dude. I love this. All Very right. similar. I need some new tips. So, so the uh, the first one we're going to be talking about is the. Uh, Did you say the, financial uh, prophylactic movements? Is that what you said? Prophetic. Prophetic. All right. Prophetic. All right. <laughs> you know, you gotta gotta put a condom on your money. I want to be protected. It's dirty. Against default. It's like Billy May saying, "I'm going to turn this 1999 into 1999 million. These are pretty <laughs> prophetic. Oh my god. Um, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Billy Mays here, and I just did a line off this Flex Seal can. That's not even my product. Just just sniffling the whole time. Please buy some OxyClean. I am broke and addicted to cocaine. (laughs) This box of OxyClean is all cocaine. I mean, good. (laughs) The first one we're going to be talking about is the Iraqi Dinar, um, which... You've you've probably heard of the the Iraqi uh, dinar uh, scam. Um, awesome. So Only the, the, the Iraqi for the dumb fall for this. <laughs> no, the, 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 the Iraqi dinar uh, originally came into circulation on April first, nineteen thirty-two. Um, which before then, uh, because Iraq had been occupied um, by Great Britain after World War One, um, they replaced uh, the Iraqi dinar was a replacement for the Indian rupee, which was used as the official currency during the occupation. Still used um, at, as the official currency in Hyrule with like the so, rupee. <laughs> yep. So a purple rupee was about equal to. <laughs> and the way you obtain rupees is you go around and you smash other people's pots inside their house. <laughs> you, get, you get one one green rupee or one I, a green Occasionally, rupee is one. if you move a bookcase out of the way, you'll find like a serious rupee. Yeah, right or if you cut the grass. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if you just mow the lawn, you know. Uh, also, I mowed the lawn and I found this heart. Container, so to like make so my consumed overall life. I think I just murdered a small animal for it, though. Well, you're supposed to consume that heart, you know. Oh, Kalima. Like yeah, like, yeah, exactly. The, the original exchange rate <clears throat> was about one dinar to uh, 11 rupees. Um, after this, the, the dinar was pegged uh, with, uh, with uh, sterling silver until 1959. Uh, with uh, when when they didn't change the value of it, they uh, they they began uh, uh, pegging it to the U.S. dollar. Um, so pegging a, going on, <laughs> for, peg, pegging for dinars. Yeah. 
So at a, at a rate of about one uh, Iraqi dinar was equal to uh, $2.80 U.S. dollar. Hmm. Um, really? So they did not follow the U.S. devaluations that the U.S. did on the U.S. dollar in 1971 and 1973. Um, so the official rate rose um, uh, to uh, uh, about $3.38 uh, U.S. dollar um, before a five uh, percent devaluation uh, reduced its rate to about uh, three point or uh, three dollars and twenty one cents, um, and this remained until the Gulf War in nineteen ninety. Um, although in the black market, you were not getting as much. So wait a minute. So the, at one point, you were paying up to three dollars U.S. for one Iraqi dinar. Yes, because they they had pegged the value at that rate very similarly to like um, say like the British pound. Okay. Um, so, so at a relative weight, um, and they could also back it up due to uh, Iraq's oil wealth. Right. So they basically um, but, set the price of their dinar and said, we're not going to move it. This is what it is. Pretty much. Okay. Um, what it and, is. Um, what but, it is. Um, but by 1989, um, uh, on the black market, uh, you were not getting that um, in, in terms of like buying power due to the, the Iran-Iraq war, um, the, the economic problems that were going on in Iraq at that time. Um, and just the general uh, state of the world at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after uh, the Gulf War in 1990, due to uh, United Nations sanctions on Iraq, they were no longer able to place orders uh, for their currency from the company De La Rue. Um, so this, uh, so this uh, did not allow them to sort of replace their previous high-quality notes with similarly uh, high-quality notes. Um, so uh, when new notes were produced... Um, they were not as good. Could they just not have like a um, like a treasury department in Iraq where they can make their own currency? Uh, apparently, some com- uh, some countries uh, outsource the the printing. They don't actually have like a printing uh, press in their country. Yeah, but I mean, if this other if this country is like, oh, uh, <coughs> sorry, we can't get you your stuff. Um, well, it's a <coughs> it's a company, and then they began um, printing them internally um, due to the sanctions. Um, so the, the notes before 1990 became known as Swiss dinars, um, and the dinar notes that were printed afterwards were called Saddam dinars. Saddam dinars? Yeah, because they power. were printed. Yeah, because yeah. they were printed. They were printed by uh, Saddam's government within um, Iraq, whereas the previous ones they had been outsourced to, um, to to that company, and they had been doing this since before Saddam came into power. Was it a Swiss hmm. company, like you mentioned? Like Swiss they, they were not, okay. um, and there's there's some confusion over that. Um, uh, so no one no one's exactly sure why they're called that because De La Rue is not a, a Swiss company. Okay, um, but uh, the I, I don't really want to get into that. Um, so due to the the uh-oh. sanctions that are uh-oh. on, uh, hold on, hold on, what do you mean? hold on, back up here. You can't just you yeah. can't just gloss over that. What do you mean you'd want to get into that? Because I was going to say if if it is a Swiss, this is just going to take us too far to the side here. The, the Swiss have a long history of shisty shit and shady shit. If that's the case, because they were also holding Nazi gold during World War II. So I mean, like the Swiss have long been a, a haven for financial protection, but also at the same time, y'all motherfuckers are allowing anybody to use that and it's kind of kind of sussy just saying well it's it's just sort of um the the general belief is that because it was from a more stable period that it it was a it was a belief more that it was that had more of the backing of like the international community right Mm. but there's there's no real like basis to that okay um so because of the sanctions that are on iraq 
um, the Iraqi government begins uh, printing um, uh, the Iraqi uh, dinar in an excessive amount, um, which causes the currency to devalue quickly. Um, by late 1995, uh, US $1 was valued at about uh, 3,000 Iraqi dinars Jesus on the black Christ. market. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> what a change. Yeah, that's a big, um, big jump. The, uh, the Swiss dinars, though, they would continue to circulate in the um, in the Kurdish regions of Iraq, um, and, and this was mainly because the uh, the Kurdish region um, the the governments are refused to accept the low quality Saddam dinars, um, which were also you know being uh, printed in, in such excessive amounts, um, and so the the supply of Saddam dinar notes um, increased while the supply of Swiss dinar notes remained stable. So they're, they're um, saying meaning- there were Saddam many dinars. That, uh- <laughs> there's so there's so damn many (laughs) not for nothing i'd rather have the notes that smell like chocolate rather than have saddam's face on them anyway oh my god (laughs) so (laughs) what this (laughs) so what this what this creates is this sort of like quasi because well no it's not a problem for the kurdish region because the the kurdish uh, region of iraq had always sort of been like its own thing Right. Like, like Saddam was never able to fully bring them over, even when he, you know, started gassing them during the, the Gulf War. Um, so, <laughs> Who is David S. Pumpkins? I'm my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you two? Um, Part of it. So because they're not accepting these new Saddam notes, they still have the stable, smaller supply of the Swiss notes that they're only accepting. Um, so this allows them to sort of, like, not have inflation within the Kurdish region, while as the greater part of Iraq is like is like being like ravaged by rampant inflation during like the the post Gulf War period of Saddam's like dictatorship. The larger hmm. portion of Iraq is looking at the Kurdish region like look at these motherfuckers with their good smelling money How from Switzerland they? and hmm. they don't have Saddam's face looking at them all the time, sons of bitches. It's like see this it smells like chocolate. You just shove it in your face. <laughs> Smell it. <laughs> Oh, I knew it was Swiss. <laughs> it's it's like the Canadian 100, which is supposed to smell like maple syrup after it's first printed. What? Yeah. Is this it's one of those? Just a joke. It's apparently it does have like the the smell of like maple syrup because it's like plastic money. That's such a fucking scam just to get people to buy like freshly printed hundreds. <laughs> it's just it's a fucking scam, and the scam's gonna be something like, listen, you give us 150 bucks, we'll give you this freshly printed hundred that smells like. Aunt Jemima. <laughs> Which is printed in Liberia, and you buy off a commercial. Yeah, exactly. So how the fuck did you... <laughs> it's a little, nice. like a little, little car tree. The bank, of, the bank of Tuvalu would like to <laughs> offer you the commemorative mm-hmm. <laughs> September 11th coin. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Uh, so, after, so after Saddam is overthrown uh, in 2003 during the invasion of Iraq... Um, the Iraqi Governing Council and the Office for Reconstruction Humanitarian Assistance, they printed more Saddam dinar notes as a stopgap against um, um, sort of like to, to keep like the, the economy going um, until a new uh, currency could be introduced. Um, so they're, they're continuing to print these like low quality like Saddam notes. Um, so between October 15, 2003 and January 15, 2004, the coalition provisional authority issued uh, a new Iraqi dinar note and coins as well, um, and the notes are printed by a British secure uh, by the the same British security uh, uh, printing firm De La Rue using uh, modern anti forgery techniques um, and in order to quote unquote create a single unified currency that is used throughout all of Iraq and will also make money more convenient to use in people's everyday lives. That just sounds like American propaganda. 
Um, so multiple trillions of dinars are shipped to Iraq um, and secured in the central bank to exchange for these uh, Saddam dinar notes. Um, the Saddam dinar notes were exchanged uh, for the new dinars at par, while Swiss dinar notes uh, were exchanged at a rate of one Swiss dinar equaling 150 new dinars. And so they're trying to get everybody back on the same page. Yes, they're 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 trying to to unify the currency and, and keep things going. But they do realize, you know, that the uh, the Swiss notes are worth more than the uh, the Saddam notes. At 150 dinars for the Swiss notes versus whatever they're paying for the Saddam notes, are they underpaying people by doing that? Like, are they screwing them over? Basically, uh, is probably, a Swiss dinar worth more than 150? Probably not, considering how closely the United States government worked with the Kurdish region. Gotcha. Okay. Like, like they they were their most stable partners, so they they were probably more more amenable to giving them a good deal. Okay. In order to bring them into the fold, because okay. um, there's there's always the sort of uh, looming looming threat of like Kurdish independence. Um, so the n- nobody in the region really wants that, so they probably did their best to placate them. Except the Kurds. Except for the Kurds, yeah, I'm sure they want it. Well, they they do, but they they have sort of like a it's almost like a federal system, mm. like like they 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 get to still be a part of Iraq. They don't have to worry about like Turkey, like like invading and like killing everybody. Oh, so they get some um, like sovereignty benefits. Yeah, they they get limited sovereignty uh, for the benefit of like being protected by the Iraqi government, not having to worry about like neighboring countries like stomping them into the Stone Age. Are we sure about that? I mean. <laughs> the, Back in the nineties, at least. Okay, all right, fair enough. Well, well, also the the Syrian civil war. Um, the t- Turkey backed a lot of uh, of Sunni Sunni Arab uh, militia groups that that committed atrocities in in the Kurdish regions. Unfucking real. Um, so uh, inflation and depreciation of the currency uh, has continued since it was introduced in two thousand three. Um, on December nineteenth, twenty twenty. Uh, Iraq Central Bank devalued the dinar by 24% to improve the government's revenue, which was affected by uh, COVID-19 and low oil prices. Um, so uh, originally, in uh, before this, on March uh, 2nd, 2019, uh, the Central Bank of Iraq's um, indicative exchange rate was about 1,190 uh, Iraqi dinars to one U.S. dollar. And on June 18th, 2021, it was uh, 1,000... 460.5 uh, uh, Iraqi dinars to one U.S. dollar. Okay. Um, and and also the the IMF is also involved in, in Iraq, which has uh, which which also causes some confusion into what we're going into, be, because there is a general assumption on the uh, parts of these people that uh, some force is going to uh, essentially uh, deflate the Iraqi dinar. Um, and, and sometimes the people who are selling Iraqi dinars, uh, they, they overplay the role of the IMF. The, the IMF is, is essentially just a, a bank, and they just want their money. It's a right. bank. I thought it was a thing that controlled Ethan Hunt and Mission Impossible. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I thought the IMF was his handlers. <laughs> I was very well, confused. The whole IMF, time I talking about IMF. I said, where's Ethan Hunt come in? <laughs> the IMF needs knock lists, okay? The knock list <laughs> is very important, and they need it. Um, Did you say knock worst? National overthrow of currency countries, right? Did you skip lunch, Steve? <laughs> yes. But the International Monetary Fund, um, they're, they're involved in the rebuilding of, of Iraq and monitoring its finances. And, and for this purpose, they use a, a single rate, um, which is not a, a buy or sell rate, of 
1,170 Iraqi dinars per one U.S. dollar. Um, this is only used uh, by the IMF for uh, what's called program rate calculations, uh, which are as part of their monitoring program and, and not as um, and not as part of a rate that's imposed on Iraq um, for the purposes of the value of the money. Um, and they mainly do this because the the currency fluctuates uh, so frequently. This is where they peg it around where where it normally should be when they're doing calculations. Is that a bad thing for your currency to fluctuate a lot, like wildly, regularly? Yes. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure I wasn't um, crazy. Um, so Iraq also has few exports. Uh, the, mo- the main one of them, uh, obviously, is oil. Um, and oil is sold in dollars, um, technically petrodollars. Um, so there is little international demand for Iraqi dinars, uh, resulting in an extremely high exchange rate compared with other currencies. What's a, uh, petro- what's a petrodollar? Yeah, what's a petrodollar? How do I get those? Sounds Russian. And are they worth more money than like a regular American dollar? Because if so, fuck I'm not interested anymore. But if they're worth more money than a dollar... It is, it's the, sort of like the, the currency that they use um, to trade oil. Does it have a picture of like the Middle East on it as opposed to like a president's face? What's on actual? <laughs> it's on actual. Uh, it's it's on an actual uh, dollar. Um, it, it's it's like a it, it's sort of like a unit that they trade in. Well, now okay. you just disappointed me because you told me it was a dollar. Because because a petrodollar um, is is worth um, about uh, one cent. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Weird. Fuck that. Is it just some way to, like, streamline everything? Yes, it's, it's just sort of an international way, and it's because the, the United States um, and um, Saudi Arabia control everything. Yeah. Steve came out, uh, he just came out and said it. I know, right? <laughs> just said it! <laughs> well, they well they control the world's, like, oil supply. Yeah, pretty much. Um. So because uh, because of all this, um, there's not a lot of people who um, who want to get these Iraqi dinars, except for a certain few who are convinced. And, and this is part of a multi-million dollar industry um, involving the sale of Iraqi dinars to speculators. Um, so these these exchange services um, or um, and, and exchange companies they sell Iraqi dinars at an inflated price. Um, they do this to push the idea that the Iraqi dinar will sharply increase in value and become profitable sometime in the near future. Will it though? Has will that it ever, really? Has that ever like borne fruit for anybody? Well, like, oh, this is definitely going to inflate later on. Well, I can make money. Has this ever worked? Well, well, generally no, because what what countries do when their when their currency becomes so wildly um inflated is they just get rid of that and they do like what the u.s government did where they're just like all right you're going to exchange this for this and it's going to be something at a more like regular value um and for sometimes countries will, will do it in a similar way like north korea did it recently where they had um everybody had to like change their money over to like the new uh north korean uh currency okay. um which was pretty much the same but it was a way for them to like destroy um, the the amount of money that like black market profiteers had, because you could only use money you had in the bank. Okay, you, you couldn't you couldn't just come with like a, a mattress full of money to exchange. See, that sounds it sounds kind of fraudy, but at the same time, it it it, it makes sense in my mind. Like you can only change what you have in the bank, but you can't bring any extraneous money. That sounds kind of fraudy. 
But well, it's a well, government, yes, but so it's, who knows? But it's, but it's also North Korea. So. Yeah, it's a government. Who knows? Uh, on um, that note, too, does Fort Knox still have gold in it? Are we still backed by the gold it, standard? It does. We, well, well, the gold standard's been gone for a long time. Um, but uh, the United States still does have a massive amount of gold. All right, so Ocean's 14, boys. Y'all ready? <laughs> no. Fort Knox. Actually, no. <laughs> um, so the exchanging of Iraqi dinars uh, is sometimes done by legitimate services um, to, to currency speculators, um, but a, a lot of them don't touch it. Okay. Um, it, it uh, mainly because, remember, I said it doesn't have a lot of value. Okay. Um, so, so there's not a lot of um, there, there's not a lot of profit in securing it. Um, and you can also be like arrested for for currency fraud. Um, several companies and traders have been arrested for that, um, for for essentially giving people like like bad um, bad trades. So wait, so you can just offer somebody a bad trade and they fucking can take you to jail for that? Well, it, it, if it's if it's to a level that could be construed as fraud. Uh huh. Okay. Um, there, there. I'm, I'm not. I'm. I, I don't really know. Um, that like the ins and outs of like uh, a foreign currency exchange or uh, forex. Uh, for instance, uh, you cannot uh, you cannot do forex trades for Iraqi dinar. Um, wait, 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 what is a forex trade? Forex uh, is foreign for- currency exchange. Yeah, it's it, like the stock uh, there was market a, for foreign currency trading. Yeah, there was there was a period in like the uh, the early aughts where it became popular. It was kind of like the Bitcoin. It was very of that popular. Era. I have a friend who actually like wrote uh, programmed like a front end and sold it to a company for doing trade analysis on forex. But oh, yeah, it was okay. it was definitely like the Bitcoin of that era. But it's it's one of those things where it is like you're you're trading in real currencies, but you have to pay fees on it. Very much like Bitcoin, um, the the tax man still wants some. Um, in, in sort of like the profit or whatever of you doing it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they also, um, the, the, more regulations also came out as well. From my understanding that by the, by the mid aughts or, or late aughts, it was, um, it, it was like unprofitable anymore at the, at the level people were doing it. Okay. Interesting. Um, but the say, um, the trade in Iraqi dinars, um, the, this sort of, uh, revived under the presidency of Donald Trump. Jesus Christ! Are you Let's bring it me? back. Um, be be Rudy beca- Slut. Uh, because uh, <laughs> I'll pay you in dinars. <laughs> because uh, people uh, erroneously believe that Donald Trump was going to do a revaluation of the Iraqi dinar um, to an exchange rate comparable to the U.S. dollar. Why? This mainly oh, okay, this mainly this has to do because Iraqi dinars socked away well, somewhere. Well, no. What it, what it is is essentially, and and this also sort of ties into like QAnon level thinking, is that. When Donald Trump is talking, one, he rambles, um, and two, he's not really concise. And one of the big issues during Donald Trump's presidency was about um, China being labeled a currency manipulator. Because remember I said that, remember we talked about how the yuan in previous episodes, that the government essentially sets what its value is. Right. And the and the yuan should probably be uh, deflated. Uh, but this isn't beneficial to China because they have an export-based economy. Um, so if the, if the yuan is stronger, it'll make exports weaker. Right. Um, so it is not in the interest of the Chinese government to uh, deflate it and make it more close to what its real value should be. Um, so Donald Trump would talk about uh, that um, vaguely sort of I don't think he really understood the concept fully, um, but but he would talk about how they, they would balance everything and make all the um, make all the currencies in the world equal. Um, so so when he would ramble about like <laughs> like <laughs> like setting all the currencies equal, the people who are like 
for like uh, shoving Iraqi dinars into their like mattress, they think what that means is that one Iraqi dinar is going to be worth a dollar. Which is just patently not going to be true. Yes, obviously. But in these people's minds, the the, like the million Iraqi dinar they have is going to become a million dollars overnight when Donald Trump flips the switch. I think the funniest thing is going to do it any day now. You could tell Donald Trump gets briefed on things when he was president. You could tell he was being briefed on things, but you could also tell that while he was being briefed on things, he was also like sitting there playing on his phone at the same time because he only heard probably a third of what they said. And then when he goes to a press conference, you could tell that like he heard something about it, but he wasn't fucking paying attention because now he has these ideas that are built off of this idea that was you know presented to him while he was sitting there just shotgun and diet cokes and shit and he just doesn't no fucking clue but like he gets like that one spark of 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 like something that is like based in reality and i think that's how a lot of people got caught up in his nonsense is because well he he's kind of telling the truth but yeah but like it's somebody that's telling the truth that didn't also go to class at the same time and pay attention to what the teacher said. In 2014, um, Keith uh, Woodwell, a director of the Utah Division of Securities, which I imagine that the Division of Securities in Utah deals with a lot of fraud considering how the state of Utah is run and like, it's like the MLM capital and birthplace of America, um, and Mike Rothschild, writer for Skeptoid, um, that um, it was stated that uh, that there, there's a belief that the speculation over Iraqi dinars originated from a misunderstanding of why the value of the Kuwaiti dinar recovered after the first Gulf War, um, leading uh, to an assumption that the Iraqi dinar would, would do the same. Oh, new dinar just dropped. Now it's Kuwaiti. Because... Because uh, essentially what happened was, is that um, after the, the Iraq war, the, the first Gulf War, um, that uh, Kuwait had to recover from, you know, being invaded and looted by Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, so in order to, like, fix their economy, um, they came out with another Iraqi dinar, similar in a fashion to what the United States did when they occupied Iraq. Um, and essentially the difference is, is that, like, Kuwait is a, a functioning, like, non-pariah country. Like, they're, they're an oil exporter. Um, they, they, they were not, you know, they didn't have sanctions on them. Um, they didn't have, you know, sectarian violence and, and total reliance on oil exports. So their economy was able to rebound and the value of the Kuwaiti dinar was able to, uh, go up. Yeah. And the fact that they're the size of fucking Indiana is also not a huge, you know, hurt to them too. Cause the larger the country, the more we're paying the ass is going to be to do things like that. But the fact that, like I said, they're the size of a small state in the United States makes it a little bit easier for them. Um, due to concerns about um, the, the rise in scams involving Iraqi dinars, um, uh, state agencies within Washington, uh, Utah, Oklahoma, Alabama, um, uh, they, they issued um, releases warning uh, people who would potentially invest in Iraqi dinars. Um, These the similar... Uh, uh, alerts were also issued by different news agencies. Um, and, and usually the, the warnings would warn potential investors um, that there is no place outside of Iraq to exchange the dinar um, and that they are uh, typically sold by dealers at inflated prices um, and that there is little evidence to substantiate claims that there would be a significant appreciation um, on their investment into Iraqi dinars when the currency was uh, revalued, if at all. 
so these people are the same as people holding on to like 1912 buffalo pennies thinking they're going to be worth a million dollars someday when they are just well, flagrantly not going to be, right? Well, well, the difference in, in those and this is that like the Iraqi dinars are kind of like Confederate dollars okay. where, where it's like it's like a cool like like historical curiosity. Um, but it's, it's just it's just money. It's just it's just crappy paper. So it's not really going to be worth anything until like maybe there's like none left. Right. You know, a hundred years from now. Right. Um, but the difference is with like, say, like, like, like coinage that that people collect. Um, usually, that has to do uh, more with the uh, the quality of the coin, um, such as the the metal uh, content of it, stuff like that. Um, things that actually have like an actual value um, it, as a commodity. Um, but Iraqi dinars, since they're made out of paper, they they don't have really a commodity value. Okay. Um, and in February of 2014, uh, the Better Business Bureau included the DNR as one of the 10 most notable scams of 2013. No. Um, and a lot of this also shows um, sort of like the hallmarks of a uh, failed prophetic uh, movement um, because it promises these big, um, big, huge um, things for the people who buy into it right. um, and that are, they're coming any time now. Um, but it keeps failing on the dates that people keep saying they're going to happen on. Um, and these dates keep on getting re- being replaced by later and later dates. Um, and, and so these people, uh, they're, the general the general belief that they believe is that it's going to be pegged at about what it was before the Gulf War. So mm-hmm. about uh, $3 um, to uh, uh, one Iraqi dinar. Um, so an even uh, bigger um, payback than what I said that, that Trump making everything equal. Um, and, uh, so these people, they, they keep thinking this, they keep investing and, and sort of putting their savings and retirement money into this because they think they're going to get a three times payout. Oh, um, God, the rubes. But, the rubes. But, but much like, but Look, much like people. The lottery ticket says that I'm going to win for life. All right. Yeah. I won't have to worry about anything. All I have to do is win. But the, um, it, it's very similar to like the Millerites. Um, who were this uh, failed uh, movement, uh, which sort of the uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses yeah, are kind of like a modern offshoot of. Okay, wait, wait, the Millerites, the Millerites. Okay, oh, so I thought you said Miller group... Light. Sorry. No, no, this is okay. So, so we're here. We're on the all right. We're on the we're on the track. This is the group of people who drank Miller Light, thinking the more Miller Light labels they collected, the more money they're worth, and the IMF will eventually recognize the back label as being worth three to one to uh, U.S. dollars to Miller Light labels, but the front label unscratched off is worth five U.S. dollars to one label. Am I right? Is, those, is that what the Millerites were? Well, that's, that's in Maine. <laughs> yeah, only in Maine. Yeah. But that that's sort of the idea that when when people sort of believe in, in prophecies, even when they fail, um, some people, you know, they walk away from that. But uh, un- very commonly, people will double down um, yep. because, because uh, prophecies don't fail. Um, people fail prophecies. Um, so obviously it wasn't the prophecy that was wrong. It was the, it, it was either the believer that they, they did something wrong or it was something else happened, um, that somebody else did. So that's why the prophecy didn't come true. The inability of human beings to take responsibility for their failures is just, it, it will never blow my mind. Like, oh, conservatism um, can't be, can't fail. It can only be fail. Come on, man. Stop. No, it let you down years ago, and now you're just kind of like, that's now how it just, works. Now you're just double, tripling, and quadrupling down on the nonsense. Yep. But, any, but any due to... Now, trickle down economics is going to help everything. Any day, trickle it down into right on my face, all that money. But due to the uh, state of the Iraqi government right now, 
um, and uh, the currency itself being in a, a hyper uh, that that sort of being as inflated as it is, um, it seems unlikely that that it's going to deflate anytime soon. And it is also not in the best interest of the Iraqi government to deflate the currency. Um, because if the Iraqi government was to deflate their own currency, um, because their debts are calculated in Iraqi dinars, um, they would have less money to pay off their debts. Um, this, this is sort of like the thing with, um, what happened with Germany after world war one, yeah, there was hyperinflation. Say, it sounds a lot like that. Yeah. Where I I, it is, so it was not. Question. Yes. Stupid question being, why can't these countries peg their own currency to something that is not an unreasonable amount of money where it's like, okay, dude, you're, you're fucking insane. Like your country's going to just go bankrupt now with overinflation. But like, if they were to just peg the value of their country's dollar at a reasonable amount, wouldn't that kind of somewhat offset some of the negative hyperinflation? Well, it, it's not that simple because it works off people's confidence in it. It comes off of the international perceived value of the currency. So you can't just say like one equals one because it's sort of like what happened with the Iraqi dinar right, um, during the Gulf War. like 80 cents. <laughs> yeah, but you, can't, but, but you can't do that because no country is a closed system. Because they're buying goods from outside the country, um, and the buying power of that, it like if you go to someone and you say this Iraqi dinar is worth one dollar, they're gonna tell you you're fucking stupid, and they're gonna <laughs> tell you to like, they're they're gonna tell you like no way. Um, so that that's the main problem that comes with that. And usually, gotcha. what a lot of countries like Zimbabwe do to get around that is they just abolish their own currency and just use U.S. dollars. Is that why? If I, I physically saw uh, in my own real life, real life I saw this, the guy had it. I mean, obviously it was a joke, but it was a, Zimb- it was a Zimbabwe, I think, like a $1 billion or $1 trillion note. Yes, it, it got to, to insane levels there, and essentially what they did to offset it is that they just started using the U.S. dollar instead. Uh, Venezuela pretty much does the same. You can still get the domestic currency, but most like transactions are done in like U.S. dollars. Okay, interesting. I saw that it was like yeah, it was like a one. It was one trillion or one billion dollars. It was a fake. It's I mean, it's obviously like not real. No one, you can't go to the fucking like Publix with a trillion well, dollars it is, in the it is, note and be like, here, I need a trillion dollars worth of groceries. You'd be like, um, it this is, is it worth is real. Seven cents. <laughs> it is it is real, but it only has thirty seven cents buying power. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> you you can buy one chicken tender with that trillion dollars. I don't think you can. I think chicken tenders are over a dollar. They yeah. had chicken tenders and gravy at my local Publix the other day. And I, I need that. Feel my heart just just squeezing like and every, stopping. People make fun of British people for beans on toast, but I want to try it. I'm oh, very interested. Beans on toast been, is good. I bet it's. I bet it's great. People like it post is. that they're like, ah, oh, the British food it's terrible. I'm like, yeah, we know. No, but that doesn't look that bad. People are thinking like Bush's baked beans, like with the talking dog. Like that's not what it is. It's yeah. It is baked beans, but it's almost like a ketchup kind of sauce that they sit in. It's yeah, like it's more like the Campbell's baked beans. Sauce. Yeah. 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 It's actually pretty good if you ever get a chance. I, I think they're. I think their traditional ones they use are Heinz in the blue can. I'm a big. I'm a bean fanatic. I love beans. That's exactly what they use. Is Heinz in the blue can? They also have um, like French toast sticks, but they're not French toast. It's just like fried potato with beans on the inside. It's like the same idea, <laughs> bro. It's I, not French toast though. I, yeah. I mean, like French toast sticks. I'm only using that like as an as a well, size to, reference. To, to, well, to, to, well, to, so you can. How many Iraqi dinars is one French toast stick? That's what. Nine hundred and thirty-two. <laughs> You got to go into McDonald's with a briefcase full of Iraqi dinars for a value meal. <laughs> the, the the next one we're going to be talking about is called Nasara. 
which is an acronym which means the National Economic Security and Recovery Act. Nisara. Okay. Um, so, uh, it's a, it's a set of, like, economic reforms that this guy named uh, Harvey Francis Barnard, um, who was an engineering consultant... No, he doesn't sound Iraqi. <laughs> ...and teacher with a, a PhD in systems theory... Um, he created it in the uh, 19, uh, late 1980s and early 1990s. Um, so he printed uh, copies of his sort of economic idea. He printed a thousand copies of it, um, and he titled it Draining the Swamp, Monetary and Fiscal Policy Reform. Oh, that's uh, This familiar. was in, in, in 1996, and he sent copies of this book to members of Congress, believing it would pass quickly on its merits. Just got to drain that swamp. Just got to get rid of it all. So, yeah, it just shows that everything that nothing like Trump did was actually original. No. You, should slogans him, you should and stuff. let him write a second book, and he's going to continue to drain the swamp. And finish draining what um, he didn't drain the first time. So, based on Barnard's theory, is that uh, debt is the number one economic factor inhibiting the growth of the economy. And the um, and the compound interest, the number uh, is, is like compound interest is the most evil, uh, moral evil, and reason for debt. Um, 100% so agree. He, so he made, um, so he made um, a bunch of attempts during the 1990s to draw political attention uh, to the problems he saw in the U.S. economy, and suggested his um, economic recovery proposal based on the root cause he determined. Um, and, and this is sort of uh, getting rid of everybody's debt. Okay. Um, so, so it's sort of like a, um, like, like a, like sort of like a debt jubilee concept. A jubilee is like a sort of a thing where the the government just says like like all debts are are like nullified. Is that um, Queen's and the, diamond jubilee is that what that they're doing? They're like well, no, like it, like a, like it's it's usually a debt jubilee is is how it's gone. Like a jubilee just means a, a celebration. Yeah, it's a celebration. Uh, it's a celebration, uh, but, bitches. It's a celebration, but, bitches. <laughs> but a but a debt jubilee is like you just abolish um, everybody's debt. Can we have a debt jubilee here in the States? I got some fucking credit card debt. It would just be fantastic. They were just like, hey, wave magic wand. No more. You don't owe any more. No, we can't because unless you're, unless you're Ryan Incorporated, you can have nothing oh, <laughs> and fuck. like it. You can have nothing apparently and like I'm, it. But if you need a PPP loan, dude, feel free to take one and never pay it back. It's fine. Apparently Ryan Incorporated, if uh, established in Delaware, can now vote. Just going to throw that out there the tax haven of delaware where the statistically the most corporations in the world what's, are registered are now able to vote well just in one town it doesn't matter they can vote that's a problem that sets precedent um so because barnard's ideas are obviously not catching on um with the political establishment in 2000 he releases his proposal to the public domain and publishes it on the internet um he established the nasara institute in 2001 and published the second edition of his book in 2005, retitling it Draining the Swamp, the Nassara Story, Monetary and Fiscal Policy Reform. Um, so soon after he released Nassara on the internet, uh, a user by the name of Dove of Oneness began posting about it in uh, web forums and eventually created a website devoted to it. Called somethingawful.com. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> one rich, low-tech Kiaka... <laughs> Who felt that? <laughs> I feel like Lotax got involved with Iraqi dinars. Not yeah. confirmed, but it's just the kind of person he is. Yeah. He, Excuse me. Well, that was that was the whole Mangosteen thing. Was it was him selling uh, Mangosteen juice? Oh my god. Um. So, uh, 
Dove of Oneness was later identified as one Shaney Candace Goodwin, um, who was a former student of a, um, a, a, a sort of a cult slash religious school called Romtha School of Enlightenment. That sounds like a grift. Um, this crazy. was well, well, yes, it's a cult. Um, so in America, it was a, a it was a new age spiritual sect that was in the town of Yelm, Washington. Um, it was established in 1988 by one Jay Z Knight. Jay Z, um, <laughs> who, who claims who claims to channel a 35 thousand year old year old villain. <laughs> A thirty-five thousand-year-old being called Beyonce, um, called. <laughs> you now talking to the uh, motherfucking greatest. <laughs> oh my! Called. God. I just like my favorite thing ever is when someone posts some weird music and someone posts that GIF of Jay Z bouncing his head. You know, where he's like just just banging his head along to the music. It's so oh fun. Um, I could think it was the Dave Chappelle, the Hove tampons. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, Knight claims that he can channel a 35,000-year-old being called Ramtha the Enlightened One. Dude, um, me too. Most, most of the uh, school's <laughs> teaching are based on sort of the, this channeling, um, which is very similar to like the I Am movement that we talked about, like, like sort of like a theosophy-type grifting right, okay. situation. Okay. Mm. Um, so uh, Goodwin, uh, she would claim on her website that the Nasara Bill uh, was uh, languishing in Congress uh, before finally being passed in a secret session in March 2000 and signed into law by President Bill Clinton. Um, her theory it was that the new law was to be implemented at 10 a.m. on September 11, 2001, um, and that the computers and data, um, which would also um, which give the... Uh, there, there are certain benefactors who are due uh, trillions of dollars of quote-unquote prosperity funds, uh, that, that all of this was destroyed on the second floor of the of the World Trade Center towers in New York City during the terrorist attacks. Okay. And, and the reason why we don't know about this is that there had been an earlier gag order issued by the Supreme Court that prohibited any official or private source from discussing it under penalty of death. Huh. Um, so Goodwin uh, claimed that there were these, uh, uh, that there were agents called, uh, quote unquote, which he referred to as white knights. Uh, most of them being high-ranking military two officials, for a two-two with first strike, <laughs> who have since been uh, struggling <laughs> to have the law implemented um, uh, due to opposition by President George W. Bush. Or I should say, then President George W. Bush. Then President George W. Bush. Um, because uh, Goodwin claims that Bush orchestrated the September 11th attacks um, in the Iraq War. Um, as distractions uh, from the passing of uh, Nassar. I'd like to amend my uh, joke, by the way. It's two for two, two, first strike, protection from black. I forgot. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus Christ. Don't ever fuck that up again. I know. What the fuck? <laughs> That's how I lost the tournament. Um, so, as you might have guessed, um, her version of Nasara is very different than Barnard's original proposal. Oh, yeah. The crazy just, like, person has a different idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, his, his original. Say. His original, um, his um, his original idea is just the uh, is just sort of like dealing with with debt and compound interest. Right. Um, but hers is the canceling of all personal debts, abolishing the IRS, declaring world peace, and requiring new presidential and congressional elections. It's reasonable. <laughs> um, she would also claim that the uh, that Bush officials 
uh, were attempting to hack into her computer and bring down the website to prevent her from publicizing the law. Mm -hmm. Uh, Um, She would claim that she was connected to powerful authorities and that she used authoritative language publishing uh, publishing messages in which she, quote-unquote, ordered the the so-called white knights to enforce Nassara. Okay. Oh my god. Um, so this this might sound familiar to you because a lot of this is sort of like a proto like QAnon. Um in, in terms it of does like kind of sound QAnon, yeah, I was gonna say. What, what she's what she's claiming, you know, that there are these certain like white hat, like sort of like secret agents who are who are trying to like overthrow the cabal. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of Nasara, which we'll find out, does go into um sort of the QAnon uh Trump train uh type people. Um, cause, cause Nassara is, is part of like the, g- generally, uh, what a lot of people claim after Trump kills 50,000 people, um, during, during the QAnon thing and after the, the quote unquote days of darkness, um, that, that there'll be no more debt and that we'll have these like magical medical beds that'll cure every disease. Right. Um, We're talking about the, the, things that have never happened, by the way, just so everyone knows. No, they haven't happened yet, Steve. They're going to happen any day now. Uh, oh, right. Like the, most the, prophecies the, cannot be wrong. Right. <laughs> because because the white the white hats are working on it. You know, it's just because you know. But this is what Trump wants. You know, because he he's he thinks in twelve dimensions. You yeah, know, yeah. he he's he's way ahead of them. So yeah. it not happening yet. It's just because he hasn't gotten them. He's playing the game to where he wants them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So eventually, now he's be she delayed all- too because he lost all his research paperwork. So. <laughs> Which, which I think, which I think is the funniest part, is that Goodwin is also uh, she. She also began uh, talking about something called the Omega Trust. Oh, um, no, the Omegaverse! No oh, god, yeah. this sounds like a fucking scam too. Which was a a scam, um, uh, started by a guy named Clyde Hood, who was on trial at the time when she began talking about Man, it. Man, I don't um, know about you guys, but if a guy comes up to me with an idea, like a proposition, and his name is Clyde Hood, I'm done. All right, just hear me out. Just hear me out. Just hear me no, out. No, I'm out. <laughs> Your name's Clyde Hood. That just sounds this, like a villain's name. This is just Hood prejudice. No, it's not. The best just idea Clyde. You introduce yourself as Clyde. We're done. Yeah. Um, if, if you're introducing yourself as Clyde and trying to do anything more than selling me a huffy motor, a huffy bicycle, I got no rap for you, man. <laughs> it's probably a scam. You probably stole it. <laughs> um. So, like, um. So she's involved with this guy, which I'll get into. Um, but she claims that when Nassara is implemented, that the people who invested in the Omega Trust, they would also get their money. Um, she she also, too, as she was making these uh, uh, these predictions, um, much like a lot of like actual like religious cults, um, she became more and more reserved in saying, you know, when when this would happen. Um, as, as most people know, for instance, like the Jehovah's Witnesses, they, they now just say instead of giving an exact date, they, they say, you know, sometime in the near future. Yeah, just keep um, moving move those message. goalposts. So she, she kind of did the same. Um, so Clyde Hood um, was himself a, li- a lifelong resident of Batoon, Illinois, uh, where he worked as an electrician. Um, in December of 1990, he was indicted in Pike County, Indiana, in connection with a fraudulent scheme to sell overseas oil futures. Because when I think overseas oil futures, I think electricians. <laughs> um, so his his case was eventually uh, dismissed when he refused to appear in court. Um, according to court testimony, uh, Hood and his... Does he not recognize his, uh, this, the, uh, the court's authority? Is he, is he a sovereign citizen? Well, well, I'm guessing he never stepped back into Indiana and they didn't feel like sending a U.S. marshal after him because right. I, I don't think the level of fraud necessitated, you know, the the sending of a marshal. Mm, okay. um, 
So uh, according to court testimony, uh, Hood and his um, uh, his mentor in the scam, they traveled to Oregon in the early 1990s, where he met some con artists who were running uh, what were called first prime bank scams. Uh, the term prime bank has no real meaning, except it creates the appearance that the scam involves special financial institutions and programs that would normally only be available to the wealthy. Um, so usually with these scams, the, the pitch is, that um, that they'll give them prime uh, prime banknotes or other type um, sort of like financial um, documents or, or or instruments that um, that are like too complex for the person that they're trying to scam to understand. Um, so in Hood's version of the prime bank scam, uh, which was uh, Omega, he offered a private party uh, loan agreement wherein the victim would lend a hundred dollars to a prime bank and receive a lump sum payout of $5,000 in additional to the original $100 in September of 1994. So this is just a big scam, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, this is and and he would also offer what was called a roll program that would be offered so that participants could reinvest their profits up to 3 times resulting in a total return of $765,000. Um he claimed to be one of only seven people, there possibly could be eight in the world, that were qualified to manage these financial instruments. Wow. Um, so using these affinity fraud tactics, Hood initially would target church groups, uh, claiming that the Holy Spirit led him to, quote-unquote, fill the Lord's warehouse uh, by sharing his good fortune with Christians. He also would claim that Omega only had a limited number of $100 units, and that would that could be made available, and sales would be shut down in August of 1994. Um, this would help him sort of persuade victims to buy into the program by by making them think, you know, that it was like a very limited thing where they could make a lot of money. Um, he would also hire network marketers um, to both sell his product and recruit additional sellers. Um, and so a lot of this scheme expanded beyond his original plan. Uh, one of the Omega solicitors, Mike uh, Kodowski. He continued to sell units after the August 1994 deadline, claiming that quote-unquote refund units would become available and inflating the 50-to-1 payout to whatever amount potential customers wanted to hear. Just make that Perfect. shit up I as see, you go I along. I can see no problems. I can see absolutely no problems with how this is going to go just making shit up the whole time. Um, yeah, I give you 6,000% return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Hood, Hood very much like Ponzi also sold within his own community of Mattoon. Um, and uh, uh, while... Uh, a fellow marketeer, um, Arlen Diamond, had no such like uh, compunction with scamming where he lived. Uh, Diamond also recommended that clients send payouts of cash wrapped in aluminum foil uh, to avoid, or actually Hood Hood avoided selling units in Mattoon, but uh, Arlen Diamond uh, was not opposed to that. And Diamond also proposed that his uh, that his clients that they send him the money wrapped in aluminum foil to avoid uh, scrutiny from postal inspectors. Okay. Um, so on September first, nineteen ninety-four, like aluminum foil would just reveal that the package was suspicious. You know, like they get it and they just touch it, and I'm like, this this feels like it's wrapped in aluminum some, foil. Some postal worker's just like, why the why the fuck is this letter crinkling? <laughs> <laughs> uh, on September first, nineteen ninety-four, Hood met with uh, Omega leaders in Portland, Oregon, to answer questions and provide information on when payouts would be received. Uh, Hood claimed to be uh, weaving for uh, Zurich 
the following day to complete the transactions and that the three rollovers would be completed by the end of the year. But by 1995, however, uh, Omega uh, was still fielding questions and the payout that Hood had set up by a telephone line uh, uh, would just, um, or I should say the line that he set up to field questions uh, would just uh, play pre-recorded um, updates. Um, um, so at least, okay. <laughs> so so he's not even really answering people's questions. He's just having them go call a hotline that that tells them you've you know it's it's coming soon. <laughs> a crime hotline. If you know the name of the king or queen being murdered, press one. <laughs> you've selected at least, the regicide. Um, there were at least seventy-two different messages recorded for the service that assured the clients that payouts were coming. Oh my god, I fucking hate that shit. Bro, I promise you it's coming. Just chill, man. You just you need to stop bugging me. I promise you. you buddy. Wait, give it a minute. Buddy. Give it a couple weeks. I would, do I look like the kind of guy that scam you? One of them just say, Don't come on. Come on. You guys all sound like the, the guy in that John Gotti video that's been going around. Oh, They're, God, yeah. What about all, you know, what about John Gotti? He was the best guy around. They're like, what about the murders? What murders? <laughs> what murders? Oh, my God. Um, so the different excuses for the delay ranged from, uh, quote unquote, some unforeseen international financial conflict or also to the greed, the jealousy, the desire for power of um, of a lot of Omega's own clients who wanted their money. Well, my uh, fucking money. With yeah, the money. Down, I don't care. Fuck you. Pay me. <laughs> with the money Hood and his associates bought uh, or they got, they bought uh, land and businesses in Mattoon, Illinois. And gave no interest loans uh, to people, and gave and made trips to Europe. Um, some of the money also went to finance businesses of of some of Hood's um, associates, such as a construction contractor named Chris Engel. Um, Clyde Hood and his eighteen associates uh, were indicted on August of two thousand. Um, some of them pleaded guilty or were convicted of multiple counts of fraud, mail fraud, money laundering, and filing a false tax return. Um, Engel would later cooperate with the police and let them tape a phone conversation with Hood. Um, Hood, la- Hood lawyer uh, Steve Ryan would later claim uh, would uh, was also uh, later removed from the case when he was subpoenaed as a witness and for possible collusion. Steve Ryan, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh. On April 10, 2001, Hood pleaded guilty to mail or wire fraud conspiracy, money laundering conspiracy, and filing a false tax return. On January 18, 2002, he was sentenced to 14 years in prison to be followed with three years of supervised release now, and a fine of $5,000. Is the phone line still up? Because that would be great. <laughs> Sometimes they keep the them up. The money's coming. Like, it would just be a, like a mistake, you know? It's just some... There's some old auto dialer and uh, yeah, or, 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 or things set up in like Ellen, some some like dusty like office in Illinois, someone's closet, dusty yeah. office. Um, Hood would die and on July 24th of 2012. Um, five of his associates were convicted of active participation in the scheme and were ordered to make restitution. Thirteen associates were convicted of money laundering. Uh, 355 victims received uh, restitution. Uh, from uh, forfeited Omega trust funds to the total of one uh, $1,697,310. Um, the Omega trust would also go on to inspire similar schemes, either to offer uh, sort of these uh, sort of phony deals or to propose a new path to securing a payout promised in the original scam. 
uh, Hood testified that he was aware of imitators who copied his methods without sending him any money. Um, and these programs called Alpha and Destiny were circulating as early as 1998. Um, the, ant- the anti-fraud website uh, Quatloose uh, speculated that Alpha and Destiny were probably run by the same people as Omega. Um, following the arrest of Hood and his associates, an email from Alpha Destiny Commission disavowed any connection to Omega and assured lenders that funding would begin soon. Um, where the connection comes in is that many students in Bromfus School of Enlightenment, uh, they sent money to the uh, an Omega uh, to Omega, although uh, leader the leader Jay Z Knight did not endorse or promote the program. Why in 1998, a Yelm resident and former Ramtha student, Shaney Goodwin, uh, she learned of, of Omega from a friend and purchased two units. Um, in November of 1999, uh, she was posting reports. She began posting under the uh, Dove of Oneness moniker, um, identifying as an Omega investor who awaited, quote unquote, prosperity deliveries from the program. Um, so as the lenders became more conspiratorial and paranoid about the delay in their payouts, um, her information became as popular um, uh, became popular within the the group, and she became like the new person to go to for Omega News. Okay. Um, so uh, she would begin um, attributing these Omega delays to conflicts between the White Knights and the quote unquote dark agenda. Um, and after the August two thousand indictments, uh, Goodwin assured her followers that the case would be um, uh, would be unable to prevent the funding of these Omega funds. Um, and that um, she warned of any uh, any lenders who read about or cooperated with the investigation, and that if they did so, they could lose their payouts. You said you called it the dark agenda? Yes. Is that like the leftist agenda, or the communist and socialist agenda? Well, it's, it's obviously, leftist. you know, the, the deep state, the people who want to keep you poor, you know. Gotcha. The, okay. the, the, anti, the anti-Porsche agenda. Good. Perfect. Um. So she asserted that Omega was one of uh, 50 quote-unquote prosperity programs that would be free to deliver payouts after the conflict was resolved. Um, so in order to get around this, she co-opted Nasara um, to, to sort of be the uh, the overarching um, thing that tied everything into it. Because remember, Nasara is supposed to be this overhaul of the economy. Well, now this Nasara is going to cover up for all these other financial scams that, that she's involved in. My God. Um, so Barnard became aware of her description of Nasara before his death in 2005. Um, he publicly denied um, that Nasara had been enacted into law or even assigned any sort of uh, tracking number as a bill, you know, that Congress was going through. And he condemned uh, Goodwin's um, allegations um, as a disinformation campaign. Um, Goodwin would continue to promote Nasara until her death in 2010. Man, she was like. Yeah, really. She, she was like a true believer, huh? She kind of um, held around there, huh? Um, so after Goodwin began commenting on Nasara, other internet-based conspiracy theorists latched onto it. Um, so uh, one of her supporters, uh, Sheldon Nidal, um, uh, he tied the imminent release of the Nasara announcement into his uh, years-old prophecy of an imminent large-scale UFO visitation by benevolent aliens. Um, he uh, occasionally on his website he would um, he, he would talk about this. Um, Jennifer Lee, um, who uh, used to publish um, uh, Internet Nassar uh, status reports uh, almost daily on her her now defunct website, 
discussed a host of otherworldly and quote-unquote extra-dimensional beings who are helping behind the scenes to get Nassara announced. Man, there is just... It's like when I used to listen to Coast to Coast AM. There is just a a small like cadre of people that are just obsessed with these little scams. Mm-hmm. And they what's, just love it, and it's their whole fucking life, you know? Um, it, it's kind of funny because on I don't think it happens as often recently, but on older like circa like 2003 Alex Jones episodes, yeah, um, people would call in and talk about like Nasara, and Jones would get mad at them and tell them it's a scam, and like, wow, if would, Jones would, is like, telling you would, it's like, a scam, it's either well, because well, he doesn't have any money in it or it's a fucking scam. Yeah, it's the latter. Yeah, it's it's because he uh, he doesn't have any money in it because he also doesn't like QAnon because he's not behind, he's not the one behind QAnon. Yeah, so he can't profit off it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Q and um, both. An internet uh, conspiracy theorist, uh, Sherry Schreiner, um, who operated multiple conspiracy websites, saw Nasara as being linked to uh, a m- malevolent uh, reptilian aliens, oh. who she is, who she asserted secretly controlled the U.S. government. And and there is also a contingent of people who see Nasara as being linked into like the rise of the Antichrist. So instead of Nasara being this utopian like good thing, it's like this dystopian like bad thing. Yep, and they're gonna die thinking that. Um. So there, there are also there are also uh, other Nasara supporters who claim that other holy beings are working to get Nasara announced. Um. These include a channeled cosmic being called Hatan. An android oh, Hatan's Thedian? real. Um, so, no, I'm just kidding, go ahead. <laughs> and another called uh, Sananda. Sananda? Uh, yes, according to uh, proponents, uh, proponents of what are called Ascended Master teachings, such as a Joshua David Stone, the aforementioned Sheldon Nidal, um, and one uh, Louis uh, Prada, uh, Sananda is is the quote-unquote, the galactic name of the... I thought it was the new the, uh, Hyundai, like... Hatchback. So Hyundai Sonata, right? <laughs> yes, of of the of the ascended master Jesus. <laughs> uh, something I learned yesterday: the Lamborghini Diablo, while it was in production in the '90s, used the exact same headlights as the Nissan 300 uh, ZX uh, from certain years, and it was proven by the fact if you actually popped the headlight housing out of the Lamborghini Diablo, the word Nissan was still imprinted on, like, the clear plastic that they used to cover the thing. Yeah, that's pretty, kind of hide it. that's pretty common, I think. But yeah. if you buyed, if, or, I'm sorry, if you buyed, if you bought Lamborghini <laughs> lens housing, if you they buyed. were, like, $1,500 versus if you bought the Nissan 300 ZX oh, lens well, housing. Yeah. So it was, like, 100 bucks. I got you. So it's one of those things. Okay. I've I, I think it was also that they sourced the parts and it wasn't like, like, for instance, my car is like, I think there's a Lexus model yes. that, that shares a lot of the same parts, but, but that's because that's because like, yeah, Toyota and Lexus, I, I think this was less, I think this was more just like, they liked the headlights and it was cheap and then they could, they could sell the headlights to, to people for like $1,500. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so, uh, Sananda is the name of the Ascended Master Jesus who is the commander-in-chief of the Ashtar Command uh, Flying Saucer That's fleet. my Xbox Live name, actually. Ascended Master Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pallas Athena is is the uh, vice commander of the fleet. Um, Ashtar, uh, Ashtar uh, Sharon, is regarded in these teachings as being third in command. Um, and, and he doesn't and also, like it. He's and, real mad and about oftentimes it. with these these ascended master claims, which goes into like theosophy and stuff like that, is that George W. Bush is actually a disguised lizard person, which is only half true. 
Yeah, he's, he's barely he's def- disguised. He's barely disguised, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> uh, Goodwin would claim that the Ascended uh, Master, uh, St. Germain, uh, uh, came oh, down from the etheric go. plane the, to physically meet with the heads of banks and world leaders regarding the Nasara announcement. The Count mm-hmm. St. Germain. Here we go. Um, so in the mid-2010s, though, uh, Nasara would turn into Gusara, where uh, Global would replace National, um, and this is done... Um, because uh, several East Asian groups, uh, um, uh, or this was this was done because the scope of it became kind uh, of influence like the whole world, um, and also because they claim that East Asian groups were involved in enforcing the reforms worldwide, including a purported White Dragon Society, which would uh, which benefited from the fundings by quote unquote the successors of the last Chinese Emperor Puyi, um, which. If you remember from our Manchu Kuo episode, uh, Puyi doesn't have descendants. Right. <laughs> yep, he's the last one. <laughs> uh, one of these uh, prominent um, Gasara advocates is a, a UK-based blogger under the name Alcyon uh, Bramerton. Um, in 2020, Bramerton uh, asserted that uh, quote-unquote Nasara Global Prosperity Programs uh, were about to be announced and activated through an entity called the St. Germain World Trust, which would provide one uh, quadradecillion U.S. dollars. I'm sorry, quote, how unquote, many? Quadradecillion. Quadradecillion. Yeah, go ahead. How US many zeros is that, Steve? You want to huff and puff with quadradecillion, uh, Ryan? God damn it. That's my, uh, that's my like, uh, what's it called? My troll Xbox live name. Quadratocillion. You're like, God damn, everybody should know what the fuck this is, Ryan. Stop stop, stop stopping us at common knowledge parts. <laughs> well, I know that it's um, a number. I don't know exactly it's, how many it's, it is. It's, how many is a decillion? Is that 10, I bu- 10 trillion? I believe I believe this is, uh, I believe because a quattro decillion, I believe this is at least more than a trillion. Like, this is at least a step up from a trillion. Because what this would do was this would, um, this would zero out... One um, followed as, by forty-five zeros. Jesus Christ! As as, as in uh, zero out or permanently cancel all personal, corporate, national debts worldwide, um, and that further money would be provided to the White Dragon Society by the Manchu Family <laughs> Syndicate, <laughs> my favorite White rap Dragon. group, the Man, my my favorite rap move. group, the Manchu the Manchu Family Syndicate. That's my Call of Duty <laughs> guild, the Manchu Family Syndicate. <laughs> my my. <laughs> my, Ascended Master my counter, Jesus my Counter my, Strike Clan. My name, yeah, yeah. Manchu Family Syndicate. Where you have to put bracket MFS in front of your tag. <laughs> um, N- Nasara, N- yeah, you have to, you have to do a couple like uh, stars and, and tildes and then. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be real, dog. It's gotta be real. Um, you gotta show up. So, um, so Nasara groups have uh, have been uh, somewhat prominent and attracted attention in Utah and the Netherlands. Um, uh, members of these groups get together to discuss the status of Nasara, uh, read various reports, hold protests, and pass out flyers about Nasara in public. Um, Goodwin would obviously claim that Nasara groups existed throughout several nations in U.S. states, including California, Washington, Arizona, and Texas and provided hundreds of pieces of photographic evidence of people in public protests holding Nasara banners. Um, but it's not clear to um, what degree the people holding the banners are aware of what Nasara was or how long these groups were active. 
Um, the News Tribune has traced the story uh, behind at least some of these photos, such as uh, photos of trucks driving around Washington, D.C., bearing the words Nasara announcement now, uh, were found that they were paid out of a $40,000 advertising campaign allegedly paid for by an elderly San Francisco resident who had made donations to Goodwin. Interesting. So some rich guy was just like paying to AstroTurf, you know, no, Nassara. Basically <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Nassara also has been incorporated into other conspiracy theories. In 2022, uh, Cat compared it to the grandfather of QAnon, and purported that QAnon's iconography and concepts, uh, that when they were declining in popularity, its adherents were becoming more and more invested in the Nasara concepts, reviving that older movement. Um, because it became more and more less likely, you know, that Trump was going to, like, arrest all these people and shut everything down, it became more likely that there would just be an announcement that all debt would be gone. Right. Which, um, that doesn't work unless you're Joe Biden relieving student loan debt. It's impossible, Ryan. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, again, you have to be incorporated, okay? If you're incorporated, they'll do it yes. for you. No problem. Which yeah. which also leads that it's become popular, or it's become uh, people within the sovereign citizen movement have also adopted beliefs involving Nassara, which goes with that like, sovereign citizen thing that like the United States was incorporated in like the 19th century and that every every person has like a trillion dollars or something tied to their name. and like It's true. You, you, you got to do the stonecutter's handshake and sign sign some paperwork in the back of an Arby's, and then you can get it. Yep. Um, what are you saying? Of- Wait, where's the lie? <laughs> <laughs> Steve, don't don't let people know that's true, or we're gonna get canceled. We're all gonna get we're all gonna get killed by the dark agenda. Oh no! You're gonna lose. You're, you're gonna cancel for some of our opinions on here. Tbh. You- we're, we're gonna lose our we're gonna lose our status in the White Dragon Society. <laughs> Fuck! I'm gonna get can- I'm gonna get banned from Xbox Live. <laughs> um, critics have obviously stated that Nassar itself has become a cult. Um, uh, this has been pointed out the fact that Goodwin, uh, Lee, and Nidal, that they would frequently solicit donations from their readers, um, and they would um, um, and they would accuse uh, these these leaders of being uh, primarily interested in securing a steady stream of income for themselves. Um, Goodwin, uh, she also asked uh, readers to donate their frequent flyer miles to her, <laughs> claiming that she <laughs> them and used the funds to travel to various locations around the world to secretly meet with high-level government officials um, a- in order to get Nasara announced. It's absolutely in two- insane. Okay, go ahead. In, in 2004, the News Tribune published an article which called Goodwin, quote-unquote, a, a cyber cult queen, and described the Nasara phenomenon as a scam. Yes, Queen. A June uh, 2006 complaint to the Washington Consumer Protection Division accused Goodwin of using the Nasara story to defraud a 64-year-old San Francisco woman of at least $10,000. The woman's daughter would claim that the actual amount was much higher um, in in the amount of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and as mentioned with the, the Iraqi dinar scheme, there's also uh, sort of the failed prophecy angle to it. Yeah. Um, Nassara supporters often tell uh, their readers that the Nassara announcement is going to happen any time now. And according to a documentary, Waiting for Nassara, the claim was also made prior to March 2003 that George Bush was um, planning the war, uh, war with Iraq only to further delay the Nassara announcement. Um, it was prophesized, though, that spiritual beings and UFOs would intervene with Bush's plans and prevent the war. And God damn it, they did not pull through. Yeah, absolutely and that's, not. And that's why the national debt is out of control. 
That's why I can't buy a fucking house. I mean, maybe. But probably not. <laughs> um, so, even when... Because remember, we, we said the thing, like, it seemed reactive that they were saying, like, oh, like, you know, the reason why you can't get it is because Iraq War. But when they knew the Iraq War was coming, the, the people who were, like, behind the scam, they were smart enough to say, like, oh, you know, just watch. Just watch Bush start a war and prevent Nassara. Um, and it's it's kind of interesting too because remember she was involved in the Omega scam, which she was a victim of, and then in order to sort of rationalize it, she latched onto Nasara, and then she herself became a scammer using Nasara to uh, to build other people, and now Nasara is part of this like QAnon belief system. It is now um, now one of the things that's surviving there, and we'll see how it metastasizes after like the QAnon movement sort of collapses. Right. I mean, grifters gonna grift, and they gotta keep the grift going, right? Yeah, but but just to see where it goes, because already some prominent uh, QAnon leaders have have died, like the like negative forty eight, the the guy who recently died in the uh, dirt bike accident. Yeah, he was the one who was leading the the like the cult members around Dallas. Oh, okay. Mm. But but he's one of those ones where he's like an actual cult leader. Like he has people who stay around him. He's like the uh, the the Queen of Canada. Um, there, there's a woman in, in Canada who claims that she's the rightful queen of Canada and she has like a, a convoy of like RVs that drive around. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and his, his was sort of a similar thing where he had these people who came and they just like give all their money to him to keep it going because you know, any, any day now, like the, the QAnon, it's going to, things going to come true and we'll all be vindicated. I just, I don't. Oh, I, I don't get what's it. What's wrong with these people that they just give this woman money just because she's like, I'm the queen of Canada. Like, no, I'm not. telling you, man, I feel the exact same way as I've always felt. It's just a lot of people out there are just not that intelligent and they're very what? easily fooled. I, I think it's also true that the people, some of these people are just like deeply broken and wanting something. And that the first I second mean, they get something be, like that, want to be nice about it. There's probably quite a few of those people too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's sad and pathetic that they would you know fall for that 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 they're that like, you know. I feel you. Yeah. But 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 just like I can I, that's that's how I kind of see it, and, and also too like like some of these people like they they can be charismatic and and also people are dumb, um. But but it's just like one of those things where it's just very weird, um. And like for instance too with a lot of the QAnon stuff, like I don't think it would have been as prominent if like COVID nineteen hadn't happened. Yeah. Because yeah, COVID, COVID broke a lot of people's brains. Yeah, it had it had definite like psychological impacts on people, and I think it propelled a lot of these conspiracy theories to levels that they wouldn't see uh, weren't seen before. I think also like the introduction of like influencer or influencer culture mm-hmm. has also done it because like a number of like wellness like influencer people went like QAnon, mm-hmm. and, and it started this whole like like yoga reiki people who who essentially became like nazis which isn't that surprising considering like when you look at things like the thule society and like yeah. like heinrich Himmler, but that, it's that, like, still disappointing that, yeah it's it's definitely disappointing but but i think that like it, it's a it, it sort of shows like what's going wrong with society at the moment like yeah. like the society is failing people in a lot of ways that that people would invest in these not not that like any serious number of people are getting involved in these things but, but it just goes to the thing with, like, a lot of conservatives, 
like that they hate like leftist things like like anytime they they talk about like wealth redistribution and stuff like that mm-hmm. but they love social programs you know they love social security they love all these these things well, because it directly which, benefits them yeah which which directly benefits them but but they don't sort of seem to realize and and a lot of the things they're mad at are the same things that like leftists are mad at not not like being mad at like trans people but but just being mad at quote unquote like wealthy elites yeah. that that they know fundamentally that the capital system is broken but they still haven't like they still haven't reached the point where they realize that like it's not going to turn out for them in the end. It's not going to flip. Which, right. which yeah. yeah, it's not going to flip. Which I think is the main difference between like like leftists and and sort of like right right wing people in the United States is that right wing people still think that like the system's going to switch for them, whereas most leftists know that the system is like rigged against them and that the only way to do it is to reform or do away with the system. Mm-hmm. Um, which, and and I yeah. think. It's abjectly correct too, like that. And and a lot of these like cults too, with like the financial cults, it's like people know that like financially, like things are stacked against us. Um, so they go to sort of these messianic things. So instead of believing, you know, that the rapture is around the corner, they believe that the economic rapture is around the corner. Mm-hmm. God damn it! We were driving. Well, is, we were driving yesterday, and we saw a uh, a vest on a fire hydrant, and. Uh, Cassie and I were coming up with ideas about who got raptured next to that fire hydrant. <laughs> but then we had the idea that maybe it was just like an isekai anime where the person came back as a fire hydrant. <laughs> it's oh true, my. too. <laughs> they just seem to be high-biz. Oh, my God. Right when that whole you know, like, were... rapture thing was going on, it was like, what was it, like right around the whole end of the, the Mayan calendar? And yeah. uh, we were just driving around, and you'd see like shirts on the side of the road sometimes, and you're just like, "Oh, someone got it! <laughs> we all got left behind." Well, you, you know, a guy was in the middle of a musical number, and he got he got raptured yep. <laughs> in the middle of it. His vest just floated down perfectly, went around a fire hydrant. Oh my god! All right. Well, on that note, make sure okay. you buy one of those services that that'll take care of your pets after the rapture, because they don't got I souls, got so email. they ain't going to heaven. I just got an email too. I could invest in some Iraqi dinar with a six thousand percent return rate. So I gotta go grab my credit card out of my car real quick. Yeah, yeah. Send me that link. All right. <laughs> I got you. All right, peace. <laughs> Later. Later.